Welcome to episode 26 of the G2 on 5G. It's the latest inside scoop on everything related to 5G and this week, 6G. Uh, we cover six topics in about 15 minutes and it's brought to you by More Insights and Strategy. I'm Will Townsend and joining me again this week is my fellow partner in crime, Angel Sag. So let's get started with my first topic. And I tweeted this out earlier, but uh, Nokia may be helping to deliver 5G to the moon. It's incredible. Um, it's no secret that in 2024, NASA is planning another visit to the lunar surface. And Nokia has actually been given $14 million to build out initially an LTE network. And this will be for communications, obviously. So um, NASA envisions that it'll be a very reliable link for um, habitat communication to you know, lunar rovers, as well as just NASA's general, you know, connectivity to, uh, to manned spacecraft. So it's super exciting. And so initially it's going to be LTE, but um, obviously once they get that, the, that infrastructure laid out, um, they want to move that to 5G. So I just thought this was pretty cool. Um, it's sort of mind blowing to think that, you know, 5G may be coming to the moon in the near future. What are, what are your thoughts, buddy? Um, it's interesting. I, I actually think that we, the way the, the process of acquiring um, these kinds of contracts, you know, this has probably been a five to 10 year process mm -hmm. um, to actually get this started. Um, so I would have liked to see it be a 5G network just to give it more um, long-term redundancy um, and, and future proofing. Um, but I know that, you know, on the moon, they probably won't have to deal much with interference from mm -hmm. other networks or other signals. <laughs> I don't think so. Um, I think Unless the Martians are, you know, trying to hack in, right? <laughs> um, but I do think it's going to be interesting how they handle, you know, the radiation um, and other other radio signals from space um, that we don't have to deal with on Earth. Yeah. No, it's super cool. You know, I'm a science fiction nerd, so when I when I saw that uh, that news break, um, I had to share it on Twitter. So uh, we'll keep our eyes on that. Let's move to your first topic this week, and you want to talk about. Um, some base station deployment activity between Verizon Ericsson and Qualcomm. Yeah, so um, Verizon basically during um, this week kind of announced that they've really been accelerating their 5G deployments mm -hmm. um, and that in the last quarter, which was Q3, um, they deployed more base stations uh, in Q3 than they did in all of 2019. Mm -hmm. um, which makes sense because, you know, a lot of operators didn't really start deploying until mid-year. Um, although April was kind of where it started. So more than half of the year, they, they were able to do it in, in one quarter. Um, so I think realistically that's only going to continue to ramp, especially for somebody like Verizon. That's mm -hmm. sort of on millimeter wave. Um, but I, I think it's, it's a positive thing. Um, the other thing that was kind of announced this week on the Verizon side was that they are going to have, um, or they were able to achieve uh, five gigabits per second um, downlink speed um, in partnership with uh, Ericsson and Qualcomm. Mm -hmm. um, obviously Ericsson was the infrastructure provider and Qualcomm was the chipset slash device provider. Yeah. Um, but this shows that you know they're able to actually hit five gigs per second with millimeter wave, which is almost, um, you know, inching closer to that 7.5 theoretical peak um, yeah. that the chipset's capable of. So we'll see if they can go further. I think they will. Um, I personally have used Verizon's millimeter wave network. 
uh, with the uh, Lenovo Flex 5G. Uh, and I was able to get north of two gigs per second. Um, and I was actually able to get pretty good signal. Actually, I think my experience with the signal was much better than I was expecting. Yeah. Most people say you're only gonna get a couple hundred feet out of it at best. Yeah. Um, but I was able to get about three to 400 feet, if not 500 feet. Um, but it was line of sight and the second I lost sight of the tower, I immediately lost signal. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. How much of this do you think is like, you know, Verizon's expertise or is it, is it leaning into Ericsson and Qualcomm from an infrastructure perspective? I, I honestly think it's kind of a collaborative effort um, okay. because obviously Ericsson has to deploy, you know, new algorithms um, on their equipment to, you know, improve throughput and Qualcomm has to do the same thing on the device side. Yeah. Uh, and Verizon has to be able to do it, you know, in delivering it on their network. Um, so I think it's kind of a little bit of everybody. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, obviously the, the, the hardware providers are doing a lot of heavy lifting, but yeah. if, you know, they don't have a network to run it through, then it's useless. Exactly. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see like what, you know, Verizon's competitors do in the coming months, right? You know, AT&T and T-Mobile in the U.S. So Definitely. we'll keep our, keep our eyes they, on that and share the they definitely have the uh, the speed claim for sure. Yeah, for sure. Cool. Well, let's move to my second topic. And actually, Qualcomm's a great segue. Um, many of us at More Insights and Strategy attended the virtual um, Qualcomm 5G Summit. Um, many of us, Patrick and I, our principal, um, were there last year in Barcelona. And so this year was virtual, obviously. I, I kind of liked, you know, they, they did this virtual conference room thing, which I thought was a little kitschy, but it was still pretty cool. But you know, the, one of the big takeaways for me, because I cover infrastructure, was their 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 broader push into RAN. And it's no secret that you know companies like Airspan have been you know leveraging the Snapdragon platform um, with their small cell products. And we've talked about that before. Airspan um, built Sprint's Magic Box, and so this announcement really it, it really extends you know their reach into the RAN. Uh, in small cell, and so um, they they had Samsung on virtual stage with them as well, talking about some of the design wins. And I counted 12 total partners. So you know, in addition to Airspan and Samsung, 10 others as well. And so, you know, this is you know, it's smart on Qualcomm's part because obviously, you know, they own the end device, right? I mean, they're in the majority of end devices, including the initial Apple products that we talked about uh, last week. And, uh, and so, you know, moving in the infrastructure, I mean, from my perspective, I mean, Qualcomm is doing a lot to really drive the 5G ecosystem. And I know that you spend a lot of time with them as well. I would love to get your insight. Yeah, so I, I think um, this 5G summit is an interesting one mm -hmm. um, because it's obviously the first virtual one they've ever done. Um, and I've attended them before. Um, but, you know, these 5G summits tend to be more along the lines of, uh, you know, enablement so it's a lot less device centric um it's more about the technologies that enable the experience and it's usually very um operator focused um in previous years most of the 5g summits have been um in asia and have been very pretty asia focused um, but they've slowly pivoted to a much more global perspective and i think this 5g summit really nailed that home uh, with the ran announcement because you saw operators from europe the US, Asia, um, all over the place kind of touting how valuable um, this, you know, 5G RAN is for, you know, disaggregating the network and enabling more competition and, and 
theoretically, you know, cheaper network deployment costs. Yeah. So I, yeah. I think it's overall, it's in line with what a lot of the disruptors in the industry want. Um, but it also seems to all address some of the needs of the incumbents as well, right? Because they've already been providing some of these um, devices and platforms for, for operators in the past. Yeah, you know, my other observation too is like, you know, Qualcomm continues to help operators, you know, optimize their their investments in, you know, infrastructure and, and spectrum with things like dynamic spectrum sharing, um, you know, as well as, you know, um, just, you know, providing, you know, and driving, you know, kind of volume against the ecosystem. So well, um, the other thing is a lot of people don't really know that a component of what Qualcomm does is also like going out to network operators and providing like consulting services mm -hmm. um, to help them figure out, you know, where they can improve their network to, you know, hit better peak speeds or, you know, maximize the performance of the devices they're using. Yeah. Um, it's kind of like a thing that Qualcomm provides that they don't really advertise, yeah. um, but it's definitely something that they do and it's a component of their business um, and explains why Qualcomm has such a good relationship with operators because they're kind of a consultant to the operators um, in a way that most people aren't even aware of. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a great observation. And I'm also impressed that I think we've spoken about this before, what Qualcomm is doing to improve you know, propagation with millimeter wave, right? Um, totally. They're doing some really interesting things there as well. Yeah, they've done lots of interesting simulations to kind of simulate, you know, what kind of density is necessary, you know, how many base stations are needed. Um, they've, they've been kind of improving their models as the um, propagation improves. Um, and I think that's, that's a component of, you know, having good antennas on the devices mm -hmm. um, that can really get the signal because mobile millimeter wave is massively different than fixed. Um, you know, fixed millimeter wave has been used for years and that's, you know, you can kind of tune that in as you use it just to find just the right frequency and the right, you know, antenna amplification and stuff like that. But when it's mobile, it's constantly changing and you, you don't, you know, you have a limited battery that you can work with. So it's a much more challenging problem. And I think it's only going to improve, which it has been for the last year or two, but um, I, I think it's, you know, a matter of time until it continues to get better. Yeah, no, I agree. And, you know, I'm sure, you know, I'm, I'm planning an article um, as it wraps and, you know, there may be other analysts on the more insights and strategy team that plan, you know, Forbes articles as well. So stay tuned there, but let's shift to your second topic. And you want to talk about China mobile and their subscriber um, ads. Yeah. So um, China mobile, the biggest operator in China, uh, and arguably the largest 5G operator in the world, um, reported that they added an additional 44 million new 5G subscribers to their existing user base, which means that um, since our last podcast, podcast that we talked about this, uh, they are now at 104 million hmm. 5G subscribers. They had 70 million in June and they are now at 104 or actually I think that math is 114, but I think it's 104. <laughs> yeah. I, I have to double check, but it's, in the triple digits. Um, it's over hundred million now. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, so they, they're now over hundred millions of 4G, 5G subscribers, which makes them the biggest 5G network. Um, and I think it's in line with the expectations of what we saw 
um, saying that we fully expected them to break, you know, a hundred million this year um, because they are kind of the driving force um, behind, you know, that 200 million plus 5G subscribers by the end of the year. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and they're not alone in China. So I, I think in total in China, there's like over 140 million subscribers on 5G already. Um, so I think it's a matter of time until, um, you know, we crack 200 million globally. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll probably do it this quarter. And um, I think it's going to continue to accelerate to the point where I think we'll probably break 500 million next year. Hmm. Yeah, those are staggering numbers. And I mean, how do you think they're achieving this? I mean, are they are they kind of focused on, you know, low pricing and, you know, access or are they being innovative with um, with actual discrete enterprise and consumer services or all of the above, in your opinion? I don't think enterprise is really where they're getting scale right now. Okay. I think it's all consumer. Um, there's so many 5G devices already available in China. Every major Chinese OEM is offering 5G devices um, in many flavors and many price ranges. Yeah. Um, and I think it's really a, a question of, do they have the coverage? Um, and in China, you know, the, the perception around 5G is you have to have it. And if you don't have it, um, you're behind. Mm-hmm. So, and, and that's just generally, you know, aligned to Chinese culture with, you know, having the latest technology. Right. Um, so I think that it's, it's, it's normal, it's expected. Um, and I think it's going to continue to accelerate to the point where um, you won't see, you'll probably see, you know, 5G device sales surpassing 4G device sales probably next year in China at least. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe, maybe a year after that, but I think they're going to really put their foot on the gas as these networks start to roll out because they've already rolled out hundreds of thousands of base stations. So they're already building quite considerable coverage, at least in the cities. Um, I think China is going to have the same problems with rural coverage as the U.S. Um, But ultimately, you know, China has the scale. Um, I think the only other country that's going to, you know, maybe get to that kind of rapid scale will be India. Uh, Based on population. Yeah. Totally. And density. Um, but it'll be interesting to see, you know, how Geo rolls out their own network because yeah. they're doing it, of course, with proprietary equipment. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's equipment that they are using the Qualcomm 5G RAN. Yeah. And, um, you know, they're saying they can do a gig. And, you know, as far as I know, a gig is pretty good in India, especially because the pricing schemes that they're probably going to be offering. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think, that, you know, China Mobile is kind of leading the charge in terms of subscribers but they're also like the largest in the world. So it's not really a shock that they would also have the most 5G subscribers. But, you know, that's, it's a, it's a considerable amount. I think it's more than 10% of their subscriber base now. Yeah, no, it's, it's totally impressive. It'll be interesting to kind of keep a tab on that and come back and provide updates as, uh, as we see these, uh, these deployments uh, grow in size. So let's uh, move to my third topic this week. And I alluded to it at the beginning of the podcast, 6G. <laughs> And there was a 6G symposium this week as well. So like this week and last week, it's just been analyst, you know, event palooza. And so it's hard to kind of keep up with all this. But so I tuned in on day one and um, tuned into a pretty interesting um, session that talked about um, what, you know, several companies, including uh, Keysight uh, Technologies, believe are uh, are key enablers for um, for 6G and to support 6G, 
-hmm. you know, and the sort of the nuggets that I kind of pulled out of it was, you know, time engineer networks, right? Um, AI, no surprise, and then sub terahertz radio. Um, and, you know, I'm not an engineer, but I play one on TV, but there wasn't a lot of discussion around necessarily use case, but, and I, you know, it's still very nascent, right? You know, we're still running yeah. out 5G as we speak. So I think a lot of this is just sort of pie in the sky considerations. Um, I didn't see 3GPP, you know, participating in this. So, you know, obviously they drive the standards, but I don't know. What are, what are your thoughts? I mean, my, my thoughts around 6G is one that it's mostly a thought process right now. Mm -hmm. um, because we, I, I think I've, I've said this before, we don't know what we can and can't do with 5G. Yeah. So I think it's really hard to nail down what we intend to do with 6G. Um, I think we'll probably start to realize what we can and can't do with 5G next year mm -hmm. when, when everybody has SA and everybody starts deploying network slicing and actually has a network that they can really put devices on. Um, that's, a, that's when I think people will actually really start to if, you know, have ideas of what we want in 6G. Um, but ultimately, I think higher frequency only introduces more problems. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, millimeter wave is already a challenge. Exactly. Um, yeah. So, yeah. you know, going sub terahertz or terahertz um, is inherently problematic and you become much more sensitive to like moisture and humidity yeah, exactly. and yeah. <laughs> time of day and, you know, interference with the radiation from the sun and all these even more, it becomes just way more sensitive. So I'm much more interested in seeing, you know, and hearing about how people want to implement, you know, AI into the 5G network. Um, I think that's kind of a common theme I've seen across all talks about 6G where AI is like a native thing. Because right. Um, right now 5G and AI is a 5G and AI as opposed to 6G being AI. Um, so I think that's an interesting discussion. And I also think there's going to be more talk about um, kind of use cases that would benefit from that. Um, but ultimately, I don't think 6G will be as transformative as 5G was compared to 4G. I, I, I believe uh, you're correct on that assumption. And, you know, you and I have kind of talked about, you know, dedicating a podcast in the future to uh, the application of AI into 5G. In fact, I wrote an article, I think I beat you to the punch on it, right, on Forbes. And if uh, our listeners and viewers uh, go to um, the More Insights and Strategy landing page on Forbes, you can find that article that I wrote. And I kind of focused on sort of what I believe are four kind of practical applications of, uh, of AI within 5G. But, but yeah, I agree with you. I mean, what we're seeing from an improvement in latency and overall throughput moving from LTE to 5G, um, I would be shocked if, if we're going to see that same kind of quantum level, you know, improvement as we move from 5G to 6G, but time will tell. So, but let's move to your last topic this week and, and T-Bubble announced uh, their 5G venture fund. So why don't you um, give us an overview of what that's all about? Yeah. So 5G announced a new venture fund that called T-Mobile Ventures. Mm -hmm. um, this is obviously a component of the fact that T-Mobile is now a very large carrier um, and is launching 5G nationwide. Um, and well, actually already has it, but yeah. um, they're clearly trying to build out a much more uh, business centric uh, component of what they do because inherently T-Mobile has been a very consumer centric company um, and they obviously absorb the sprint business side, 
Um, but Sprint's business side was still nowhere near as big as AT&T or Verizon's. Right. Um, and I think T-Mobile is really trying to grow that side of the business mm-hmm. and encourage more companies and partners to um, build 5G applications for their network um, or any 5G network for that matter, right? Um, mm-hmm. But ultimately to utilize their 5G network for four different areas, um, which are edge compute, security, the future of work and industrial IoT, which all sound very enterprisey um, mm-hmm. and focus on business use cases of 5G, which make 100% sense. Um, the only thing that I would say was kind of disappointing about this announcement was it didn't say how much money they're committing to it, right. um, which is a bit odd for a venture announcement because usually when you make a any kind of fund, um, you usually say how much money you're committing to it. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I hope it's at least $10 million mm-hmm. um, because, you know, you need a lot of money to invest um, in, in, you know, companies that are going after 5G problems. Um, I think realistically somewhere in the 50 million range would make sense, yeah. especially considering that a lot of these companies are probably not small startups anymore. They're probably mm-hmm. mid-size um, and, you know, a, a small investment of a million to two million won't make much of a difference. Um, but we'll see what, what they target. Um but generally speaking, I think it's a positive move for them. Uh, and they're working with a uh, venture capital fund um, to manage this fund. So it's not necessarily being managed specifically by T-Mobile themselves, okay. uh, which is probably a good thing. Um, but yeah, I, I, I'm, it's a good thing for T-Mobile. Um, and I hope they give out more details in terms of the size and scope. Yeah, no, I do as well. And, um, you know, SoftBank had that vision fund, right? I think it was like, the number was staggering. Was it a billion US? hundred billion. Was it a hundred billion? I mean, my goodness, right? And that was pretty, they uh, you know. They do most of it. Yeah, <laughs> they, they do. Like, we've talked about that in the past as well. But, but no, I think this is great. You know, this, this supplements, you know, a lot of the carriers' efforts, you know, like I've spent time with AT&T and their, um, their labs and their their foundries, and I spent time with Verizon at their um, their their uh, alley, you know, um, facility in Chelsea as well. And I think that this is great. I mean, you know, earmarking funds to, and that's really going to drive innovation from my perspective. So, you know, I expect that we'll see not only you know carriers in the U.S. following suit, but certainly we should expect to see that from, you know, hey, you know, the larger parent Deutsche Telekom. In Germany, you know, uh, you know, as well as possibly Telefonica and, and others. So um, it'll be interesting to kind of keep tabs on that. So, well, hey, Angela, another great podcast. Why don't you take us home? Sure. We hope our viewers this week and our viewers and listeners this week found this week's topics interesting. If anyone out there would like to provide us insight on a specific 5G topic for a future podcast, please reach out to us on social media. Will is at Willtown Tech, and I'm at Anshel Sag. We hope that you guys have a great weekend and please tune in again next time.